Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Straight out of the traps, I'm looking at something in this morning's newspapers and I'm saying, yeah, right, go on away out of that now. That is just not true. That is just nonsense. And I know, I know personally, it's nonsense. No, it's got nothing whatsoever to do with D Forbes. Oh, no, it's not nothing. Although, if the upper echelons of RTE think we believe that she was the only person who knew there was money floating around that building, being pushed here and thither and yon, and if she was the only person who knew, if they want us, no, sorry, pull the other one, it has a bell on it. Pull it hard enough, it has two bells on it. Forget it, no. That's what they call Fionnan. Sheen is writing about it this morning in The Independent. Remember, Fionnan was here with me on Monday morning. This is like what they call the, the dead man argument in, in, in mafia movies. The only fellow who knows what happened is dead. That's a load of old cobblers. Cobblers. So more to be told, I think, about this Ryan Tuberty story. Uh, more to come out. That committee today will want to get the popcorn in if you want to watch that Eroctus committee. I might anyway, I think. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. What is it? I'm telling you it was utter nonsense. It's this, this finding, this report that is out this morning in the mail. It says there was a study done in Portugal uh, by scientists over there who studied people's coffee drinking habits. Now, I will tell you this. I don't function. I can't string three words together until I've had my coffee in the morning. Like, do not approach me in the kitchen, the corridor, anywhere until I've had at least one large caffeine down my throat. Just don't. And everybody around me knows it. They all know it in here. And when I get in the door, I need another one just to get me up the stairs. And then I'm just about ready to face the day. But these Portuguese scientists, they think or they say that it's a placebo. That if someone gave me decaf or water 
I'd be just as happy. Will you get out of it? There's now look, they've spent a lot of money on this, I've no doubt, and they've researched it and all this. No, sorry, sorry. Can you leave the house in the morning without your coffee? Or if you're a tea drinker, we're more tea drinkers in Cork, I think, but I can't, I just can't. I, I won't. Years ago, when I was in the newsroom, they'd ring me and, and they'd say, will you do something for me for eight o'clock or whatever? Or I'd be coming on, do a, do a program up the country or something and, you know, do a piece about a court case. I said, I will. Let me get some caffeine into me first. Just can't function without it. So I don't get what they say in Portugal. I see more aid saying last night, and I saw that lovely post from Live at the Marquee on Instagram where they say, thank you, Cork, see you in 2024. I always was fairly confident we'd see a 2024 festival because Peter Aiken and his team, and I'm sure they do over in Musgrave Park as well with their team, but Peter and his team work a year ahead, sometimes to booking people for the Marquee. So they've already got dates in the diary and people booked for 2024. We'll hear about it in the fullness of time. I've no doubt Christy Moore has his date already penciled in for next summer and that they'll be back in 2024 and we look forward to the first bunch of announcements. But one of the great marquee moments for me anyway of 2023 uh, is a good start to us this morning considering what we're about to talk about. And it's this, that I was there last week and if you were there last week you know just how magic this was. everyone. We nearly lifted it out of the ropes. And then they take over. If you were there, Rod Stewart just stands with the mic in his hand, looking down there with a smile on his face. It's a magic marquee moment from 2023, and it's appropriate to give it a twist because Graham has gotten in touch with us. Morning, Graham. Hi, PJ, how are you? Where are you, mate? I am in Salou, in Spain at the minute, yeah. Um, in a place called Cap de Salou. There's four of us over here, myself, my partner, and my two kids. And there was a sing-song started. What happened? Yeah, there was. Um, pretty much every night they would have karaoke uh, kind of down in the hotel itself. Yeah. Um, I've a four-month-old boy. Well, he's five months actually today, excuse me. So um, we kind of go up. We don't stay around. It's normally at like 11 o'clock at night. So we'll go up to the apartment and we'll just sit in the balcony and just kind of have a listening. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so last night there was uh, karaoke and someone, uh, obviously girls from somewhere around the country, uh, sang Grace. And beautiful voice, like the place was singing. There's, uh, there seems to be a lot of Irish in, in, in our, our hotel in general. And um, yeah, song finished. Round of applause. I was singing it myself. I was singing along. And just a few minutes later, the DJ, uh, an English lad, that has nothing to do with it, but he was uh, an English accent just saying, no, we've got a few complaints. Um, there won't be any more songs of party for the rest of the evening. What they done then was they played um, another song, but obviously it wasn't karaoke anymore. It was just kind of like just a neutral song, you know, just kind of like a pop song or whatever. What he said was there was complaints put in, so 
Um, apparently, uh, a couple of families went up within the space of that couple of minutes and complained about the song and kind of what it meant and stuff like that. And I can only presume that they were people from up north. Um, there was a lot of people from up north around in general. Uh, a lot more from the Republic, you know, by the accent. Um, but there was a lot of people from up north. And, yeah, I think there was probably complaints. You don't know for sure? No, not at all, no. And to be honest, I, as I mentioned there, just kind of with the English accent or whatever, I don't think he had a clue of what it was about in general himself because he was, like, rearing the crowd up as the girl was singing as well, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Irish, Irish history is not taught in uh, British schools and stuff like that, so uh, I don't think he'd know himself. There are far more political songs, too, that a girl could stand up and sing in a barren slough. There is. Definitely. Look, I would be, um, I would have been a strong kind of Republican belief, I would have had a strong Republican belief system uh, many, many moons ago. Um, that's faded as, as they got older. Um, I'm still very patriotic. I still love our country. I still, you know, I love Irish history. I think the further you go back uh, with regards to kind of songs and what they're about, yeah. I think there should be a, a bit more leniency around it. Like if you're singing songs about what happened from, you know, 1969 onwards up north with your provisional IRA and all this kind of stuff. That's I I think that's different. You know, yeah. I think that is kind of really in your face kind of uh songs and music. But with stuff with you know, with nineteen sixteen and, and a song that's actually about a very brief romance and a wedding and someone was brought out and, and you know, and killed by firing party. Like that's you know, that's a long, long time ago, you know. What's even funnier well not funny, but what's even more notable is it's a song, Graham, that one of their great superstars has made a massive hit of it. I speak of Rod Stewart, who sang it around the world and told the story of it. I know, I know. Um, yeah, not even Rod Stewart. There's a lot more who have picked up the song themselves. You know, I'm sure there's a few other renditions from other, from other uh, artists around the world as well. But, like, I, I don't know. I was just a bit, look, as I said, uh, my, my beliefs around kind of that kind of, kind of republicanism and all that. It, look, it, it's just faded as I've naturally gotten older. Yeah. Um, but even right now, like even to this day, like when I heard, you know, that there was complaints put in, I was like, really? You know what I mean? Like, it's 2023. Uh, we're not shoving the song on someone's faces. It's not even like the fields of Adam Ray where in between the chorus, you know, there's certain words that are used and that are really in people's faces. Cer- certain words that were never in the song. Exactly, yeah. They were just added in by people who are hardcore. So like, you know, I, it's not a song that's really in someone's face. Um, I think, like, Look, I do not know for certain, but I do have a strong feeling it was someone from up in the heart. You got the impression that someone complained to the DJ about that song, not just about the fact that there was a sing-song going on. No, no, it was just about that song. I mean, it was going on for, geez, an hour and a half. Like, yeah. of people coming up singing songs, and it was, it was great fun. You know, I was singing along myself. It wasn't the regular closing time, no? No, it wasn't. No. There would have been at least another half an hour of songs left. There would have been. And that's going off every other night, as I said, every night we go up, you know, about nine o'clock, kind of just chill out on the balcony and karaoke yeah. starts for about two hours, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was def- definitely that song. I, I'm 99.9% sure of that song, and there was complaints put in about it. Interesting. Graham, enjoy the rest of your holiday. How long were you there? We're actually home tomorrow there now, so, um, sadly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're home tomorrow, so it's been a really good, really good holiday. Enjoy the rest of it, mate. Take care. Thanks, PJ. Chat to you soon. Cheers, fella. Uh, safe home. Best to, best, best to the family. The, the, the song Grace, actually, was first recorded, taken to number one by the late great Jim McCann, was written 
I thought it was older than this. When you go to look it up, it was written in the 80s, written in 1985 by two brothers, uh, the the Omaras, Frank and Sean. And if you don't know the words, you probably... And there are people who've sang the song a hundred times in a crowd and don't know what it's about. It's about Grace Gifford was an artist and she got married to Joseph Mary Plunkett in the chapel in Kilmainham just hours before he was executed by firing squad in, in 1916 and the Rod Stewart version came about because he found it and he thought it was one of he said this on, on stage here in uh, Parky Creeve in 2019 he said on stage he thought it was one of the most beautiful love songs he'd ever heard ever seen and he wanted to record it but I, I, now I don't know who the DJ is or who the uh, organisers are of that karaoke in Spain, obviously. Uh, but I'd be saying to whoever decided to scratch that karaoke night there and then, if it was down to someone being uncomfortable with the singing of Grace, then you either get a job you like or get a life. That was ridiculous, cancelling that for, for something, something, something as petty as a song about a love song, a love song. About 1916. It's not a rebel song. It's not. It's not a song that's calling anybody to arms. It's not one of those. It's a love song for pity's sake. No, it, it reminds me of something we talked about here. Was it last year? It was late last year? The whole Celtic Symphony thing and how outraged people became about that. And again, when you listen into it, the dig into the words of it, you know, uh, it's it's actually got nothing to do with what. I'll use the word, woker listeners are saying it's got nothing to do with the objections that people seem to have. Do you know, I mean, the ultimate one that comes up every Christmas, fairy tale of New York. People say, oh, you can't be playing that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Listen to the words. There's some words in it that aren't nice. Well, heck, it's a song about not very nice people. But that's that's for me, and God, I did karaoke for long enough, and I DJ'd for long enough. Have still been known to do it from time to time. I've there's no better buzz as a DJ or karaoke host to hear a crowd singing back like that. And I've been at many of those sessions on holidays too, where someone will get up on stage and sing an old Irish song. It's great. It's great. Like, stop. Just stop. Really, can we get off this stupid, silly, let nobody ever be bothered train that we seem to have gotten on? Like, we'll have the same crappy argument every Christmas now about fairy tale New York for the day we die. Celtic Symphony is, is now seen by some people as summoning the devil. Um, I, I don't like now, for the record, I don't like what they do with the fields of Athenry. Don't like that. Um, but that's me. Other people might disagree with me. The, the words they add to the chorus of Fields of Athenry, which have nothing to do with... Anyway. Um, but this is, this, this is a new low of utter silliness that Graham came across on his holidays in Spain. 0818 96 
There was some good news emerged for working parents in the last few days. The signing by the President of the first provisions of the Work-Life Balance Bill. That's the new legislation that will give people the right, eventually, to request to be allowed to work from home and other things. It also contains, at the first stage, five days of unpaid leave per year to look after the medical needs of a close relative, like a child, which would be very useful for working parents. And also a significant increase in women's right to take breaks to breastfeed. Now, there's more to come in the autumn Caroline Weedy from the HR Suite, but it's a start. Good morning. It is a start, which is really positive. I suppose, as you rightly said, this was signed into law by the president. But for each of these elements of the legislation, it's going to be commenced at different times. So this piece of the legislation was signed by the minister to commence on the 3rd of July. He agreed it's now going to be implemented. But the first part of this legislation, which is known as the Work-Life Balance, and Miscellaneous Provisions Act gives people this right of unpaid days for family leave or somebody that they live with that needs medical care. But it's important to note it's unpaid. So for a lot of people, taking five days unpaid is a loss Mm. and it also increases the breastfeeding um, time up to two years for somebody to continue with breastfeeding breaks. And um, there's two other key elements of this um, legislation that is going to be enacted at a later date. One element of that is going to be five days paid leave for domestic violence. And some companies like AIB and Tesco have already implemented that because it's been indicated that it's going to be the autumn before that's enacted. Mm. And then there's also the right to request remote and flexible working. And we're awaiting a code from the WRC before, again, that becomes enacted. I'll I'll deal with things sort of in one by one order, uh, Caroline. The unpaid leave to tend to the medical needs of close relatives. You said yourself there, like, like a sick child, for example. Five days leave is fine, but unpaid. People in, particularly in low-paying jobs, a day off is a day you don't get paid. So people will, I, I couldn't see them leaving the workplace if they're going to lose a, day, a day's pay. I suppose it's a good option for people to have 
for example, if somebody was going in to have surgery or coming out after surgery and they needed that care, you know, that they needed to be there for that medical leave mm. for either somebody who's a family member or somebody that they live with because they mightn't want to, um, you know, take holidays or, you know, they mightn't, um, you know, they mightn't have days etc yeah i think and um, the fact it's unpaid you know is a challenge for people there's no two ways about it but i still think it's progressive that at least this is coming in and you know the domestic leave violence um we're really delighted to see yes. that that's five days paid leave because we know that for a lot of people they're suffering in silence and they can't actually take an unpaid day because the perpetrator may realize why are they off and often the reason that they're taking the day off might be to get advice or you know um it might be to address the situation that they're in so it needs to be paid leave so that they can comfortably you know be able to do something like that so i think that is very progressive so an abusive or controlling spouse will still see a wage coming in they won't know that you were actually seeing a counselor or a solicitor that day Exactly, exactly. So, and as I say, some organisations have already brought that in because it's going to be the autumn before the legislation is going to be um, enacted, we've been told. And as I say, AIB and Tesco are two examples of companies that have already brought that in. And I suppose from my experience, I've seen for many, many years, I mean, really, you know, going back in all my years in HR, you know, a lot of the time the employee their place of refuge of being able to find a trusted ear that they can confide in is often the work environment. Yes. And I've I've never yet not seen the employer pay that person for the extra day they need to take to do any of those things that you mentioned. So I think that this hasn't been maybe a legislative basis, but I think in practice it's definitely been something that employers would be very empathetic towards. Yeah, it, it will be mandatory though once the law comes in. It's not it's not right now, which it will be mandatory then. On remote working, and we hear anecdotally, Caroline, of lots of companies, companies I would have been surprised dr- bringing people back into the work place and saying no 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 we we want you in here we want you in the office and a person might say well look I've delivered on every target I've met every deadline I've done everything you've asked me to do for the last two years it suits me to be at home why have I got to go to the office and to be fair I think that's a reasonable position for somebody to be in particularly if their job can be done you know, remotely or from home. I suppose we're definitely finding that hybrid is where a lot of organisations are landing at. So they're either facilitating working from home two days a week and back in the office three or vice versa. And a lot of people are very happy with that. I note, like, you know, because they like the collegiality of being in the office um, some of the days and if you have a new colleague who's starting or, you know, if there is a team meeting, it's definitely much mm. easier when everybody is either fully remote or fully in the office. Hybrid is actually the hardest of me- meetings to run or, you know, trying to ensure everybody's kept in the loop. So I think um, we're finding that for new people, they want to be in the office for the yeah. first couple of weeks to settle in. But then they need 
people in the office to actually be there with them to train them and support them. Yeah. And we're finding that if organisations have a blanket that's like, no, we don't do remote or we don't do hybrid, a lot of people are leaving and going somewhere else that they will get that because it does make a big difference to people's work-life balance when they're finished work and you know they can. Not all jobs, obviously, are suited to that, but your job and my job definitely are. And we've proven that, I suppose, yeah. you know, over the last couple of years. And like, I think it's just giving people that extra, you know, incentive to kind of feel, well, actually working here, this is another part of that job. And I think that's always a good thing around this attraction and retention strategy we're also focused on now. And Caroline, maybe just to expand on this a little. So, it, like you said, I've been doing my job hybridly as in doing my second half of my day at home now since the start of COVID and, and that's how it shall remain. It, it works for me and it works for the company. But there are those people who are being told John, Mary, no, from 1st of July now you're back in the office and I won't hear anything said about it. You will have a right to challenge that and your employer must be able to give a solid reason as to why even though you've delivered on everything you were required to for the last two or three years he or she, your boss, still wants you back in the office. They'll have to show a reason why. So from when this becomes enacted, um, once we're, the code of practice is drafted and that's being worked on as we speak, um, then people will have the right to request and their employer will have to consider that in line with the timelines they're required to follow and they're required to explain whether or not that's possible based on the job the person does and the company, etc., but there is no automatic right to have remote working. The right is only to request it and the obligation on the company is to consider it within those timelines. I think, as I say, the louder volume is going to be if the competitors are offering it and you're not offering it. Yeah. All employers now are trying to retain really good employees and you're definitely putting yourself at a, a disadvantage if competitors in comparable jobs are offering this and your employee has made it clear to you this is something very important and I might give you a brief example where you know we had somebody and they were working a really senior role really important they had great knowledge and skill the company absolutely valued them but they requested a hybrid the company said no if we do it for you we have to do it for everybody and the answer is no and that person six weeks later went away and came back and said listen I'm leaving I've got another job and that's the challenge then. You're losing that really good person. And do you want to put yourself in the way of that? So I think make that decision before you answer the request, because ultimately, if they don't get some element of hybrid, I would say, when it's something really important to them, mm. the risk is that they will go elsewhere. And moreover, when they've demonstrated the ability to do it and to meet everything they were. Emma, Emma has a, a comment to make here, Caroline. She says, myself and my partner don't have any childcare support, and this is great news because I'm constantly having to use my holiday days to mind my kids. They catch everything in a crash, and I only have 21 holidays in the year, so these five days would be very welcome for Emma. But you could see, Caroline, you could see some employers, particularly in the, in the private sector, particularly smaller businesses, mightn't be too happy with some provisions here. Oh, I don't think so. I no? think most employers, I think the consideration now that people come to work 
as a package with their whole life. And people get sick, kids are sick, you know. Um, many people are looking after elderly parents or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that we need to, again, provide that flexibility because, you know, one of the major things of people will forget what you said, but they won't forget how how you made them feel. Mm. And in a scenario like that, another one for me that's really important is if somebody experiences grief, like there's no there's no compassionate leave statutory entitlement in Ireland. And I think for me, it's one of the most important times that as employers, we support employees because again it's such a sensitive time and people really remember that so they're all milestones in the employee's journey that if we're not making it easy for them to have a life outside of work nobody chooses for the child to get the bug and the crash or you know mm. whatever the case may be um, I think that's important and you know those kind of things um, you know do make it better the employee gives it back in droves I feel always if we um, play ball with them We've all come across stories of the employer who says I don't particularly care your mother's illness is of no interest to me your interest my interest is the eight hours a day you're required to spend here I think those employers are becoming um, hopefully less because employees definitely have uh, a lot more confidence to speak up and to kind of say, well, look, I'm prioritising my family over work and rightly so. And generally those people speak with their feet and they go in, they get another job because managers, I suppose, you know, have a huge responsibility, but a lot of managers have never been trained and, you know, that empathy and that emotional intelligence is lacking in those that maybe haven't had, you know, that, um, you know, common sense approach to managing because ultimately we all know if that's their approach, they're definitely not going to retain their people. We are currently in a full employment situation, Caroline. We've not been in it for a while. In fact, I seem to recall the last set of figures I saw, we have the lowest unemployment rate almost in the history of the state. Does that turn it a little bit into a worker's market rather than a boss's market? I think it definitely does. Um, like I was speaking at a conference in Kilkenny last week or the week before, and um, one of the economists that was uh, speaking before me, he said people now aren't even advertising the jobs because they're thinking they're not going to get anybody for the job. The labour market is so tight. And I was making the point that I think still people want to work with good employers. And, you know, if a good employer is advertising a job, people see that as a really good opportunity where they're saying, well, look, I'm going to be looked after. I'm going to be treated fairly and I'm going to have a job that I feel, you know, I can do well, but that I'm valued as a person as well. And I think for a lot of people, that work-life balance is really important ingredient in making that decision now. Mm, The days have been accused of shirking from home. Hopefully they're at an end. Definitely. I think we've all moved away from that. I think productivity, if anything, increased. And I think that's kind of proven that case, really. All right. Caroline, thank you. Caroline Reedy of the HR Suite. 0818-969696. Yeah, those rules, new legislation coming in, five days unpaid leave to look after a, a sick child or a medical leave. Uh, uh, breastfeeding breaks from a, for 104 weeks for two years after your child is born. A little bit later in the year, 
mandatory paid leave for victims of domestic abuse. Some companies doing it already. Five days paid leave for victims of domestic abuse. So that you can do what you want to do to look after your situation and your controlling spouse won't notice that there's a day's, day's wages missing. Uh, the right to flexible working arrangements. I, I have no notion why so many companies are hauling people back into the office. And I'm hearing every week now of another one. If someone's been working quite efficiently, thank you very much, either home or hybrid, in you know, two days, three days, one day, whatever... And yet, boss is saying, no, why don't you back in town? Why don't you back in the office 1st of August? No arguments here. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Caroline. Kevin says that working from an office command is a dodgy floor to be standing on when there's full employment. Employees at the moment are in demand. They have options that haven't been there in recent years. He says Caroline is a brilliant contributor. And yes, indeed, she is. Kevin, no, there are people, I'm hearing it every week, people saying, I've been doing my job at home for two years, three years, doing it half full at home. Now my boss wants me back on 1st of August, won't give me an explanation, just says that this is just what I want. Uh, I have two sayings, I'm an employee. I have two sayings, says this message, uh, when it comes to my workers, family first and life happens. Yeah. Absolutely, I would agree with you. Dreams. Thanks, Fergal. Thank you. Couldn't get into me. Memory for just a second. 0818 96 96 96. You know, there's great people volunteering with Tidy Towns and other movements around the place. But for some reason, there are scuts who abuse them and give them a hard time and go out of their way to spoil the work that the volunteer is doing. It's been happening in Ballancolic. I'll find out about it next. 0818-969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks 96 FM. Whether you're working out, chilling out, or clocking out, make sure you're with me on the big drive home for your chance to win some of the coolest prizes. There's big celebrity interviews. My Spotify rap thing was so embarrassing. Like, it looked like I was living in 2009. And choose to make your drive home a hundred times better. Driving from town, tunes pumping. No better feeling. I'll catch you weekdays from. The Big Drive Home With Independence Music and Arts Festival Magic and Memories at Indie 23 Tickets at independencefestival.com Corks 96 FM Got a video sent in to us uh, over the last 24 hours of vandalism, shall we say in, was it Carrigaline or that general area where work that had been done by Tidy Towns volunteers in weeding and making all the lovely planters nice and presentable and pretty and colourful for the time of year was being undone before our very eyes by a bunch of, of Scots. Tom Butler's in Balancholic, a member of the Teddy Towns there. You've had people up Scotland year work as well. Very soul-destroying, I'd say, Tom. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Ah, PJ, it is. Um, you know, um, I, I, I saw what, what happens in Carrigaline and it has happened in other places. 
I, 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 we even had it ourselves on Sunday morning. Somebody pulled a large planter down, which I, I, I don't know how they even managed to do it, but they did. But, you know, you have to persist. We've also had um, rubbish. People had a, a party recently and decided, we thought it was just a general litter pick. And it was somebody had a party and decided to bring the the remains of their party out and leave it for us to collect um that where we would normally pick up from a, from a litter pick and left it for us to collect. So there was bags of cans. Uh, they kindly gave us their grass cuttings as well and uh, a bag of crew beans. Crew beans. Yeah, well, well, other people would call it trotters, but trotters, you know, I would yeah. know it as crew beans. Yeah, but someone actually left out a bag of trotters. Yeah, so, so, so for us to collect. I, I, I'm, even, I'm even more interested in who has a, a pile of trotters or crew beans at a party, but that's that's just me in 2023. But that's yeah, that's that's just saying, oh, should the tidy them them old fools from the tidy towns? They'll pick it up. Well, th- th- that is yeah, that is exactly it. As one of our volunteers said, um, who was collecting, he said, "Are we being used or abused?" And now, you know, we we work very closely with our residents' associations. We do pickups from them. They work hard in their own areas and we do our, our pickups on a Sunday or a Tuesday or a Thursday and we work very well with them. Now, we don't, you know, in fairness, there's there's a lot of respect there, but then you have the likes of this and it just, you kind of say to yourself, why in God's name do people do this? And we we were, like when we're out watering, you're talking about plants, like Tidy Towns has changed from that. It's gone, it's like plants are an important part of it, but it's a lot of old, about biodiversity, um, sustainability, that's it, and the pollinators and all this. That's gone a much bigger part of our work now. Yeah. Uh, the plants are very important, but that other part of it. But even last night when we were working, you're, you're watching people going past and they're looking at you as much as say, is, like, what, what are you doing, you know? But yet, in Carrigaline, Balancholic, everywhere, if you have a very strong Tidy Towns organisation, it actually enhances the area, it enhances uh, business, it enhances pri- uh, house prices, and makes it just generally a, a very nice place to live. And, you know, I don't think people get that concept still. They think they think it's the old way of just litter. It's it's a lot more um, that's involved these days in Tidy Towns. I've lived in Carrigaline for 10 years. I know how, much, how hard work in their Tidy Towns group are and still Still are indeed, uh, and Ballincollig, yes. Shreemers, a a Ballincollegian is a word that I have right. read up my own. So, like you know, we know how much effort goes in, and we love to have nice things. There's an element out there, Tom, that doesn't want us to have nice things. That's how I look at this. Well, look, no matter where you go, no matter what you do in life, PJ, I think this happens, right? There's always that element. Um, and, you know, it, it, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a young people. I, I, I would always go towards um, try to get the best out of them, uh, you know, and I encourage them and say, look, lads, we're doing this. We've seen fellas do it in front of us. And I've said, lads, we're doing this. For or not, we're not just doing this for the fun of it. We're volunteers. We're doing this for the community and for for everybody. Have you ever challenged any of them, Tom, and asked why are you doing that? Why did you just throw that there, or why did you pull up that plant? Well, I, I did, and like to be honest with you, um, I did, and I I was uh, the first of all, this was a kind of a different breed, and I, and the abuse that I got, and they turned around and said to me, um, do you know what? You can't touch us, and I said. 
do you know lads work away I said just think about it I said you're, what you're doing I said you're wrecking it for everybody and they took the plant and they walked away up the street now PJ I can do two things I can go after them and probably get a walloping or I can just say right go back go back to our stock in the yard get get some stuff out of it out of our, our plants and go back up and do it and you know we do the same with graffiti we just keep going if there is any graffiti we just go out we cover it over we do we have it we did have an issue with graffiti in Balancholic it was bad we appealed to their better nature to our website and we did get a result and we go we go we're inclined more to go with softly, softly rather than name and shame and, oh, and cause oh, a, big, look, a big storm about it, you I, know? I wouldn't, it would have been foolish, bordering on foolish at least, to chase them and try and stop them and ended up getting a hammering yourself. But but they had no explanation for, lads, what are you doing? Why are you spoiling it for everybody? They had no explanation or they didn't care. No. And they don't, and you know, I, 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 I suppose, PJ, I, I, I've been involved in scouting as well all through the years, and I'd appeal, I'd always appeal to their better nature. Uh, I had a situation in the the regional park one night where there was a gang, and a new section of the park, and they were, they were, there was a lot of rumpus going on. I was walking past, and um, I was kind of saying, you know, I walked through them, and it was cans, there was bottles, everything, whatever, and uh, I just, I walked through them, and I was coming back, and they were still there. And I just said, you know, will I stop or won't I stop? And I just stopped. And I said, lads and ladies, could you do me a, could you do me a favour? And somebody from the back said, I suppose let's pick up the litter, is it? And I said, yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, Grand, you're not going to call the guards yet? And I said, no, I'm not. And I didn't bother. Like, I went down and I rang next Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I said to one of our volunteers, we just need to go down to the park there and do a litter pick from... Uh, where there was a group last night and they said grand no problem Tom they went away down they rang me about a quarter an hour later I said Tom I'm finished there was four bags of stuff here all in a heap for me so do you know that's the better nature and that, yeah. I suppose I take the positives from that you know I appeal to their better nature and they had some bit of, somebody had a bit of respect and they probably brought more on and that's what I think you know young people uh, we have a, a chap there with us at the moment um, on he did his Goshka award and he's, he's after sticking with us on it uh, as a volunteer and I'm not joking you, you, that would hearten you to see the way that he works and the interest he has and any of the Goshka kids that we've had they've been fantastic you know you, they, you, only, you don't get the whole lot but you get you get um, you get a minority and if that minority can be for the future of, of us and the future of Tidy Tones and other organisations because it is going to become a problem but if we can appeal to some of them uh, and it becomes the what what these uh, shall we say what these other young other young people are doing should be the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just it. younger people let's not come down too hard on young people here. No, no. God, because no, it, no, if you're able not. to pick up CCTV Tom and I've been sent enough for them over the years to know it isn't always the 20 something that's dumping the rubbish it's the 40, 50 and 60 something turning up with three oh. or four bags in the back of the car. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It is there. Like we had a situation there where we had uh, for for a couple of weeks, we had people just literally dumping bags and nappies out indiscriminately all over Balancholic in different places, nappies. even down onto the Balancholic bypass. Just bags of nappies. That's all it was. And you know, we we highlighted it. We asked them to stop. It did stop, thankfully. But you know, you also see people going along and putting their domestic rubbish into into the normal bins. 
And, you know, in a lot of places, they've removed bins because it's become an issue. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's and that's not young people. I've I've seen that plenty of times. And people come out and they just put their domestic stuff. They come along with their bag. They're doing it in the four courts of garages. They're doing it everywhere. Mm. You'd have to ask yourself, Tom, wouldn't you? What's what's wrong with someone who thinks it's okay to throw a bag of filthy, dirty, used nappies at the side of a road? I I just can't understand. I can't comprehend why somebody would do that. You know, it's it it's beyond comprehension, PJ. To be very honest with you, um, like literally driving along, stop your car, open it, and throw it out the window. Throw it out. Open the door. You could even throw it out the window. Open the door and throw it out, and leave it there in the middle of a road. Cars are going to go over it. I just can't understand that mentality. I really can't. Mm-hmm. On a positive note, to wrap up, though, you continue to work. You continue to do your. You're volunteering, and you're always looking for new members in Ballancolic. Always, PJ. You know, we we've we've thankfully, you know, we do, and you know, these things, uh, like it's a it's a seven day a week job at the moment, and it is well, like we're fifty two weeks of the year, but like all we ever ask of anybody um, is that you know to give us an hour a week, if even if they give us an hour a week. That makes a difference, and you know we're we're we have we have fantastic members. Our members go from the very young to the older, and it it, it does make the difference. And there's great camaraderie there. I think that's more important in a lot of cases than just the the litter picking. Is the camaraderie that we have with them, you know? Okay. All right, Tom. Thank you very much, and continue the fine work that you do, and indeed that tidy towns volunteers do all over our city and county. On a kind of related subject, there's a new type of vandalism going on in Dublin and Dunleary, and I'm wondering, is it happening in Cork yet? You might have read about it. There was a good piece in The Sun about it yesterday. A group called themselves the Tire Extinguishers, and they go into someone's driveway where you've parked maybe your Renault Kajar or your Nissan Qashqai or your Dacia Duster, and they're letting the tires down. And they've deflated about the tyres on about 30 of these cars around Dunleary in one weekend. They, they put a, a lentil bean into the valve cap and then they close the valve cap and the tyre goes... It doesn't matter how they're doing it, actually. doesn't matter. It's vandalism. But they leave a note that says, we have deflated one or more of your tyres. You'll be angry, but don't take it personally. It's not you. It's your car. We did this because driving around urban areas in your massive vehicle has huge consequences for others. SUVs are the greatest, second largest cause of the global rise in carbon dioxide emissions and are a disaster for our climate. So we have deflated your tyres. Queen Bee drives a Dacia Duster. If anyone does that to my tyres, I will pursue them to the ends of the earth for criminal damage, because that's what it is. Like, what if you let down the tyre of someone's car in their driveway or out parked by the pit? What if they have a sick child at 4am? What if they need to go somewhere urgently in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning? And an awful lot of these new cars now, I know not why, I know not what brain box devised this stupidity, but an awful lot of new cars now don't come with a spare wheel. If anybody in the motor trade can tell me why or what complete brain box or what brain fart someone got to stop putting spare wheels into... But I digress. So your car is disabled 
and you have a sick child or someone needing to get to somewhere urgently or you need to get to an urgent appointment that this is criminal damage it's vandalism and it has anyone come across it in Cork yet I sincerely hope not 0818 96 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Live With Hidden Hearing Changing lives With the latest hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cork's 96 FM The Cork Diary Cork's 96 FM The Cork Diary is a free service So if you're a community group A not-for-profit organisation Or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned Let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM I met someone recently and I was chatting to him and he said to me that the idea of not putting spare wheels into new cars is the most stupid thing he has seen in over 25 years in the motor trade. And I'll tell you why in a minute. I just brought that up because some, some nutter decided about 10 years ago to stop putting in spare tyres into cars. I remember I had a little car here in the newsroom one time and getting a puncture out the side of the road and opening the bag, the boot looking for the spare wheel and there was none there. So you limp to the nearest town with your soft tyre if you can do that. And you end up making sugar out of the tyre and probably bits of the wheel rim as well. But it is, it is the norm now. I'll come back to that and come back to plenty more like litter and why people would throw litter where you know that the Tidy Towns volunteers are doing their absolute level best. A few more comments in there as well on working from home. Someone from the construction trade who asks, what about us? We can't exactly work from home. And no, you can't. And it's uh, something I take very much on board. But first of all, do you have a a Mahan Point voucher at the moment? Did anyone give you one of late? Do you have one sitting there in your purse waiting to be used? Were you thinking, for example, of popping down this weekend to spend vouchers that someone might have got or that you might have got as a present recently, you can't. There's a big crisis at the moment in gift cards. Thousands of people with gift cards issued from shopping centres around the country fear they will lose the money because the company that manages the funds has been shut down by regulators. Not here, but in Lithuania. And one of the affected shopping centres is Mahan Point which has said in the last few days it is currently unable to sell or to accept gift cards Charlie Weston personal finance editor of the Irish Independent this is down to a decision in Lithuania Charlie not in Ireland so what is going on good morning Good morning, PJ. Yeah, complicated story. Of all things, um, a decision taken in Lithuania by the Lithuanian Central Bank has meant that if you have a gift voucher for Man Point Shopping Centre, which is about 60 retail stores, that covers about 60 retail stores, or Liffey Valley in Dublin, or the Square in Tallinn, Dublin, or Whitewater Shopping Centre in Kildare, and many others, I just wasn't able to confirm 
with, with that, that there are others around the country. But if you have a gift voucher for one of these um, shopping centres, uh, I'm afraid you just will not be able to redeem it at the moment. It's because the company that was managing that money put into those gift cards, uh, it's called UAB Payer Net. No, nobody will ever heard of it. I hadn't heard of it until, yeah. until yesterday. Um, it was shut down by the Lithuanian Central Bank because they cited, uh, the reasons cited were gross, systematic and multiple violations of money laundering laws and fears over terrorist, terrorist financing law violations. So pretty serious stuff. That company has been shut down. They're going to put it into bankruptcy, uh, which means at the moment the, the, the money that's in these, you know, behind these gift cards just can't be accessed. So, so, so the hundred quid that someone gave me for my birthday for Mahan Point is caught up in a money laundering scandal. Is that what you're telling me? It, it seems to be that, yeah. It just, <laughs> that's exactly it. So, you, you know... You you got to ask questions. Why were these shopping centres using this Lithuanian company? Was there not one closer to home that you could have used? It always comes down to me with if there's a dispute, and you have to go to court. Do you really want to be going to court in Lithuania? You know, um, so I, I I don't know. I mean, this this company had a. Uh, a, a, a European Central Bank e-money license and it was operating here under what's called passport rules which means if you're in the Eurozone and you have a license in one part of the Eurozone you can passport into another Eurozone member uh, but you know the, the Central Bank here are powerless on it to just keeping people informed they're saying and mm. uh, keeping a watch on it but look at the money should be safeguarded here's the, the point PJ uh, under regulations that are European uh, Union regulations are called um European communities, electronic money regulations, which means that that money that was, if I buy a card, that money should have been put into a, a separate account and, and should be safeguarded. It should be available to get hold of this money now. But given the mess of this company, given the kind of serious accusations, you know, you've got to scratch your head and go, it isn't certain that this money will be there, you know. So it's going to take a while to sort yeah. this out. It's an unbelievable mess, PJ. There's Mahan Point, there's Liffey Valley, there's many other shopping centres now here's the thing, Charlie. If I went in or my mother went in to buy me a birthday present or my wife went in to buy me a birthday present of a voucher for Mahan Point, she spent her money in Mahan Point. She handed money over the counter in Mahan Point. It's a long time since I looked at a book on tort, but I did cover some contract stuff in the courts in my time as a court reporter. The contract of purchase is with the shopping centre. It's up to them to fix you up, I would have thought. I think exactly that. And it may have to be that the, 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 the these funds are covered in the end by the shopping centres. You know, Mahan Point and Liffey Valley, etc. may have to you know, stick their hands in their pockets and cover this. Uh, there is a very good Q&A on the Mahan Point um, uh, shopping centre. And they were the first to put that up there. They had that up there well before there was any notice on the... Um, the, the the websites of the other shopping centres and it, it, one of the questions asked is will we get compensation for this and the answer seems to be look it's too early to say there's a lot to be worked out here but I think it will I think you're absolutely right PJ you know if the money cannot be got back out of this company this Lithuanian company the shopping centres are going to have to pony up the, the, the money here because you as you say you have a contract with the shopping centre you bought a, a voucher for that shopping centre they, that should be valid that should be covered now it doesn't it doesn't affect the kind of one for, for all kind of vouchers but it's very specifically shopping mm, centre shopping centre specific vouchers now I, I can imagine if, yeah. I, if I landed in in front of in front of Judge McNulty 
with with my hundred euro voucher that was bought for me by from from Mahan Point, he'd be inclined to say to the people at Mahan Point, "Well, actually, you know what? That contract is with you, so sort Mr. Coogan out." And I, I hope it doesn't come to that for anybody, but you could see it happening down the road. There's something else that happens with this too, Charlie. And seeing as I have you, um, I might ask you about it. I took a few calls in recent times from people who were shocked to discover that their vouchers that were bought for this hundred quid began to deteriorate in value. Now, if I give you a hundred euro in cash and say, Charlie, that's yours, happy birthday, it's still worth a hundred quid in five years' time. Why do these cards deteriorate in value after a period of time? Yeah, after about um, 13 months, they start imposing a monthly charge, which can eat away at the value of your card. So, three euros per month uh, after month 13, which seems very unfair. And, you know, so if you put the... You get a voucher, a gift card, you stick it in a drawer, you forget about it, you find it at some stage when you're doing that spring clean that we never do, and you go, oh, that's great, that's a card. And you you go and try and spend it and discover, oh, no, the charges have eaten into this. Now, they claim that this, this administration needed, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems like... There's, you know, they could could leave it three years before they start. Yeah. But, but I thought, I thought if I buy, like, if someone gives me a voucher for a restaurant, it's valid now, isn't it, under the law for five years? Whether even even if the restaurant changes hands, so what's the difference with these vouchers? Yeah, th- this is complicated. The Irish government brought in legislation on vouchers and gift vouchers, but um, it didn't cover these e-money cards, which is essentially what these things are. It, you know, if you have a Matten point. Uh, shopping voucher. It's an electronic card. I think it's Mastercard uh, written on it. Um, it's a plastic card, like a debit card. Yeah. It's called an e-money card. So the Irish legislation wasn't able to cover that. It's only covered under this separate European Communities electronic money regulation. So, um, you know, they, they, they were doing their best to be fair to them for once in the doll. They were trying to bring in legislation mm. to protect you. But it only covers vouchers and doesn't cover these electronic gift cards. So they kind of, you know, they, they, they don't have to abide by those rules of, of, of making sure it's valid for five years when it comes to an electronic plastic card, which is what these things are. Okay, so hope, hopefully it will be sorted out. You, you, you would feel, and it's just an opinion I stress, Charlie, you would, you would feel that the shopping centres may have to pony up because of consumer rights? Yeah, look at if you know, given the seriousness of the of the allegations here, you know, money laundering, terrorist financing, law violations, you'd wonder, you know, if if if, if all the money is safe, so, and if it's not, I think yeah, I think the shopping centres will be, they'll come under ferocious pressure here now to 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 honour these shopping centre vouchers. They'll do themselves damage if they don't, uh, you know. So if you have one of these things, my advice would be dig it out. Get hold of it, uh, take a photograph of it, send the photograph to the shopping centre uh, care staff people and say to them, look, I want to be kept informed about this. I have one of these vouchers. You let me know when it's all sorted out, please. All right, Charlie, thank you. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. If you have a Mahan Point shopping voucher, and we're not picking on Mahan Point, it's just they're involved in this and they have an explainer on, on the website. I don't have it in front of me. If someone behind the glass can grab it for me, I might go through what's on it. I forgot to bring it in with me, but they do have a very good explainer on how all this is working, or rather, not working. But there's the point I was making to Charlie, and I think he's in agreement with me. If I buy a voucher for the Queen Bee for her birthday for Mahan Point Shopping Centre, I bought it from Mahan Point. I spent my money at Mahan Point. My purchase contract, such as it is under law, is with Mahan Point. 
0818969696. Anyone got one of these vouchers at the moment? Come back to spare wheels in the car. No spare wheel in the car. Someone here says it's better fuel economy and a slight reduction in cost. I don't understand the reduction in cost. It's not that heavy, but right. Uh, and fuel economy. Fuel economy, why? Uh, anyway, I had reason about six weeks ago to call out the uh, roadside assist people for Queen Bee because she got a flat tyre at work and she rang me and she said, my tyre is flat. And of course, there's no spare in the bloody car. So I rang the assist for her. She rang them herself, actually. And they came out and I went out to meet her in case we'd have to leave the car overnight and, and all that to bring her home. But the guy came from the the um, roadside assist van and he had fabulous gear inside in it and he managed to get the tyre off to put a little patch in it and to pump it up and said, look, get it to the garage first thing in the morning. It'll get you home. We were only going from then he's crossed to Douglas. It'll get you home. It'll get you to the garage in the morning. Don't be taking it on the motorway. But you're all right for now. And there you go about your business. Thanks very much. It was delighted with him. But I said to him, would you ever tell me what brain box decided it was a good idea to leave out the spare tires from the cars? And he said, I don't know. But if I caught him, he said, <laughs> because you're here in a car park where you can leave your car overnight if you have to, in a suburb with good phone coverage and good lighting, and it was a reasonably decent day weather-wise. He said, what if this happened to your wife in a country road in the middle of the night in a rain, in a rain shower with no spare and no mobile phone coverage? What's she supposed to do then? How does she call me then? How does she call you then? At least if there's a spare tire, she might be able to fix it. Why? So he said in 20 years or more in the motor trade, it was the stupidest thing he'd ever seen, this idea of taking the spare tyres out of the back of the car. So much more. Um, oh yeah, we start, start talking about Grace and the objection. Graham rang me from Salou in Spain. He's on holidays. There was karaoke there last night. Someone started to sing Grace. She sang it. It finished it. And then the DJ shut down the karaoke because apparently there'd been some objections to Grace. Like, give us a break. Shiona says, it's crazy. We should be so proud of this song. It's our history. All this new ideology stuff is bonkers and very dangerous. It must stop all this shutting songs down and cancelling songs because we don't like a word in them. And there's a lovely mural in Grattan Street. If you take the time to look at it, it is of Grace Gifford and Joseph Mary Plunkett. I've seen it. It's gorgeous. It is very, very nice. Um, and there's another one of those oh yeah Andrew says on the subject of Grace Celtic Symphony and Fairy Tale of New York and all this so called political correctness can you please tell me says Andrew when a, p- p- a politician was correct ever join the conversation this is the opinion line with hidden hearing focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years they're all ears visit hiddenhearing.com yeah on Mahan Point's website they say that the full implications and the timeline for a resolution of the gift cards issue is not clear but they're working closely with the provider 
and exploring every possible avenue to rectify the situation as swiftly as possible. We'll continue to provide further updates as more information becomes available. Thank you. 0818969696. Now, Aidan, you sent me some pictures yesterday evening of a traffic jam you were caught in on the way home. How long did it take you to get from South Mall where you were parked to the far side of Carry Tool? Morning. Yeah. Hi, good morning, PJ. Thanks for the call. Yeah, exactly one hour, PJ. And uh, so I thought it was a crash or whatever. Obviously hoping everybody was okay. But um, it ended up being uh, a, a yellow tipper truck was putting down tarmac with one fellow working, uh, one young fellow working, disposing the tarmac with a shovel and two, three or four other lads looking at him. Uh, I don't, I don't know who, who, who was it subcontracted, uh, but um, was, was it was it part of the ongoing work down there in Dunkettle or what? It, it just like it was on the main um, N25, is it? Uh, like two miles after Carrie yeah. Tool. But uh, I was just thinking, uh, no, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd plaster the floor. But I was just thinking, w- w- would it not be possible to, for it to be freeway between five and seven, you know, for the work to cease so that the both lanes are open to get people home from work? From yeah, we seem to have this thing about carrying on roadworks at the most inconvenient times, like the middle of the day, when in other parts of the world, they, you're right, they, other parts of the world did, and they would do that in the middle of the night, in the dead of night, in fact. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, crazy. And then you, all, all your listeners says Ryan Toberty on, on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too. There's that. Well, is this, does it happen frequently? Is that your regular commute? It is every, every day, six days a week. Yeah, and uh, no, it, it never happened before that I saw that. No. Yeah. Have you been having trouble with the whole, all the changes? Every time I go through Dunkettle of late, something has changed. Is it complicated? I, 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 to be honest, I think they're doing a great job there around uh, Dunkettle, and mm. uh, I think they're making great progress. And I can just see. I, I know. I, I don't know when the completion date was supposed to be, but it, it'll be great for. For the free flowing cork when it is completed. Yeah, I had to go down to Glown there recently on a message, and they've done a fabulous job as you head down there by by the the Island Gate and all those. There's a new road down there, and you wouldn't even know you're on it until you're on it. It's great. Brilliant, brilliant. They've done a super job on it. All right, Aidan, thanks very much. Roadworks should roadworks stop during rush hour? Thanks, Aidan. Roadworks during rush hour. He was saying he leaves his shop in town. Five o'clock, goes home, should take him what? From town to carry tools should take what? 20 minutes, half an hour, tops. He was over an hour because there was a guy shoveling tarmac at that hour of the evening. Is there a case to be made for stopping that kind of work at, say, three o'clock to allow for rush hour to happen? Because you may be absolutely sure that wouldn't happen in other parts of the world. If you had a little bit of tarmacking needed to be done on a busy road in Manchester, busy road in New York. I was in actually was in New York one time. It was a few years ago now, and where we were in Manhattan, the the hotel was on a major crossroads. So much so that at the reception desk in the hotel, they were telling us, "Please be careful as you step out onto the road. It's a very busy junction." And there was a massive kind of a half a pothole type sinkhole developed under a truck. It's a truck went over it and cracked the pavement, the big pothole, horrible, full of water and muck and dirt. And it was there one evening and it was gone the next morning because I was out for an early morning stroll. 
So it had been there at seven in the evening as we were walking out to have dinner. And it was gone in the morning at six o'clock as I was going to find uh, a cup of early morning coffee. Just gone overnight. Done. That's how it should be done. 0818969696. But then if you do stuff on the roads at night, you end up in trouble with Brian. Hiya, Brian. Yeah. What's yes, up? Yeah. Um, I was at home last night and about quarter to 11, I heard noise and whatever, you know, mm. and I went out to have a look. And you had these guys with big trucks and jackhammers and consoles and they're digging up the road. They had done the road about a month ago, but they tarmacked over the manholes. Mm-hmm. And they came back last night to dig up the tarmac and raise the, the manholes the two or three or four inches, whatever amount the tarmac to put on. But they were at it until six o'clock in the morning. There was no getting to sleep. You could even hear them talking to each other as they were walking. Yeah. You know, and at that time of the night, I mean, it's a mature area, and at that time of the night, if we drop a pin, you'd hear it. Mm. And it's going to go on for four nights, because when I was out, and I was never notified, well, people in my terrace were never notified. I didn't know about anybody else on Cathedral Road or the other avenues yeah. off it. But they just didn't seem to care. I mean, isn't there no pollution legislation like that? You can't be uh, doing things like that between 10 o'clock at night and 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. What about the point, Brian, that where you are would have caused, if if the road was in bad condition and you started doing road works early in the morning, you'd have had mayhem. And the doing road works during the night is much better for the movement of traffic. They did they tarmacked the road about a month ago and it was done during the day. Mm. And they had um a one way system in operation, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you you go down one way and the traffic that's coming up would have to wait until that amount of traffic was passed and they could come up. And while it was a bit inconvenience, but at least traffic was flowing. I mean now the schools are off. The Cathedral Road is not a very busy road after 8 o'clock in the morning. Fair point, fair point. They could have done it then. I mean, how could you get to sleep with jackhammers and consoles and fellas shouting, bring up that shovel or whatever he was looking for? Mm. I mean, you hear it. I mean, surely the council should have known this. And why why weren't we um, informed of it? And it's supposed to go on for four nights. Mm. Tuesday to Friday. Mm. No, I mean, why won't the council inform us of these things? They said they told people on Cathedral Road. But I mean, if you're living in one of the terraces off Cathedral Road. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You can still hear it. I mean, you're still next to Cathedral Road. They can't, they can't go around to every house, can they, Brian? They can what? They can't go around to every house. And the terraces down our office, why not? You get these fellas, like, who deliver pizzas and, and, and pizza leaflets and all yeah. the other leaflets. But, like, what difference would it have made to you, for example, if someone went and knocked on your door a week or two and go and said, look, we're going to have to do some work there later tonight, it might be a bit noisy. What difference would it have made to you? Well, first of all, I would have notification and I would have known about it. And that would have been the courteous thing to do. But they didn't. Yeah. They just went ahead and, and they just didn't seem to care. You know what I mean? That, uh, oh, we have the right to do it and that's the kind of stuff. And mm. bugger off and don't deny us, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, why, why couldn't it be done on a Sunday? I mean, Sunday is, is a very quiet day on Cathedral Road. Cost you an absolute fortune in Sunday, sun, Sunday premiums there, wouldn't it? Well, they were on premiums last night, weren't they? They were. That's true, too. That's true, too. So, I, I, I mean, the amount of money that they would have to pay would be the same, but it would be less inconvenient. Like, and we would have got a good night's sleep, which is kind of important, particularly to people of my age. You know, at the moment, I need my sleep, you know what I mean? <laughs> all right. And, and it's going on all night. Like, I mean... Why did the council allow them to do it? You know, at that time of the day, surely does. I mean, if they'd carmacked the road a month ago, when they know the section of it, why didn't they cut out the manhole? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the tarmac, and I don't know this, but maybe the tarmac was a temporary fix because you often see that where they do tarmac a road and then a couple of weeks later they put down a proper surface on it. Yeah, well, I mean, they had to take up. The, the, they had to cut out the tarmac that was there oh, yeah. and take out the manhole and put some pads underneath the manhole so they could set it down so that could be level with them, yeah. the tarmac that was there. Why couldn't they do that? I, I, yeah. And then they filter in with, with tarmac again. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point, Brian. Thank you. Roadworks, some people say Aiden, for example, would believe that roadworks should be done at night or at least off-peak so that peak traffic, like he was yesterday trying to get home to carry Tuval, that he can get home without having to to stop and watch a fella shoveling tarmac into a hole. That's Aidan's belief. But Brian is not happy at all. He lost a night's sleep because they're doing some late-night roadworks up around the Cathedral Road area. Thank you both. 0818 96 96 96. Just came home from holidays to Ballancolig. The town looks fantastic. We'd been in Rome 
which could do with the Ballincollig tidy towns. It's a dirty, filthy city once you leave the tourist areas. So well done to Ballincollig tidy towns. They always pick up bags for me every year when I weed the estate, the beds in the estate, and it's much appreciated, says Janet. There's actually a couple more comments in on the on the tidy towns thing. John's one, for example, as long as you people like them cleaning up, it'll keep happening. It's the council's job to collect the rubbish. I, I, I don't know where you're coming from there, John. Tidy Towns is as old as myself, and they volunteer to keep their areas clean. They're local people who are proud of their area, and they give a couple of hours of their time to clean it up and make it nice. Hi. If everyone cleared outside their own property, there would be more time to clean other places. A few years ago, my mother was sweeping outside her wall and she was told that she's doing someone out of a job. I think she's the only one on her street who's still doing it, says Anne. There's a thing. I didn't know this until a few years ago, but do you know where you have, in some housing estates, you have a footpath and then there's a little bit of grass between it and the road. You know, this little patch of grass between the footpath and the road. As the householder, you're responsible for that patch of grass, which always struck me as strange because I didn't put that down. That's not grass I set or seeded when I bought the house. It was just always there. But I am apparently responsible for it. Don't mind it. It takes about 30 seconds with the lawnmower. But they, oh, stop. I shouldn't be talking about lawnmowers. Oh, God, no, I'll have that crowd on to me. The no more, more, no more, more, they may no more, no more, no more people will be on to me. 0818-96-96-96. Well, fire to the rain, Cork's 96 FM. 0818-96-96-96. John says on these, or these cards, these shopping centre gift cards that devalued themselves after a year, John says, why would you keep a card for 13 months? You deserve to have it devalued if it's not used by then. Really, John? Really? You deserve to have it devalued if you haven't spent it by then? John, if I put a hundred quid into an envelope for you and you put it away and come back to it in ten years' time, when we're both older and greyer, it'll still be a hundred quid. It's cash. You bought the card with cash. It shouldn't deteriorate at all, as far as I'm concerned. But thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at corksimon.ie. It's 96 FM. Some sad news in the last uh, 24 hours or so. Um, we were talking earlier in the week about Axel, the, the wolf dog, who went missing from Rumley's in Waterfall. Um, it was a thunderstorm late last week and he got out 
wherever he's kept in the farm. And the farm were saying that he's not dangerous. He's actually quite shy. And was it Charlie was the chap I was talking to? Was it Monday? That's, he said he found him and managed to put a lead on him. And he fed him. And then when he heard there was a wolf dog on the loose, he let him go because he didn't want a wolf dog uh, running around his place. But he, unfortunately, Axel is dead now. I'm joined by Vincent Cashman of the Cork Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. One thing I notice, Vincent, there's a photograph of him on Cork Bio, an up-close photograph. What a beautiful creature. I'm so sad to see that he's gone. Is Vincent free from me there? He is on four. What a beautiful creature, Vincent. Yes, PJ, it, it, it wasn't a, a good ending at all yesterday. Um, we, we, we got a call in the morning that he, he'd actually been netted, he'd actually been caught. Mm. And, um, and they needed some assistance, basically, with some catch poles just to make sure we can get him into the van. Yeah. So I sent one of our lads up and I followed shortly afterwards then just to, he was closer to it than I was. And uh, I suppose our first van arrived maybe 20 minutes after he was caught. And when I arrived then, maybe 25, 30 minutes after that, um, he was unfortunately, um, he'd passed at that stage. What happened to him, do we know? I, realistically, I don't know. I would I would think... Um, it was probably stress-related and probably his heart, his poor heart gave out. Mm. Um, he was kind of in a corner. Um, I suppose he was under stress as well from being out, you know, no Rumleys were saying that he was very shy and more afraid of people than anything else. Uh, yes. Um, no, I wasn't very familiar with the animal myself, so, uh, but where he was caught, he was, he was caught near the main road. Yeah. Yeah, he might have been 12, and that's that's not a young dog. That I mean, if you were to do it, rough calculation, that's a man in his 80s. Yeah, I mean, he's, and, and for a large breed or semi, you know, kind of medium-large breed as well, um, I mean, if you've got a German Shepherd to live till 12 years old, you, you, you'll be doing quite well, you know. Mm. So um, it's just, it was, it was very unfortunate. I mean, the, the very fact that he was caught um, was, was fantastic. And, um, I mean, there was, there was reports afterwards there, I've read them, that uh, the animal was tranquilised or he was shot or something like that. Uh, they're not true. They're, 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 uh, oh, they, he they, wasn't, no, no? No, not at all. No, no. Okay. He was just caught in the net, and what we want to try and do is get him into the war van and get him back to Rumleys. That was the plan. Yeah, Rumleys had said that he was in no way dangerous. He wasn't dangerous and that he was just nervous around humans and maybe keep your distance. Yeah, I suppose, look, it was like any animal. Uh, he, he was being kind of, I suppose, kept as you would keep a wolf in an enclosure. Yeah. So his human interaction um, may not have been as it should have been. Yeah, probably, he probably knew people who came to see him every day. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll say his own people, like they're, they're very, the, the breed themselves would be very much family orientated. Yeah. So anything that they knew was fine. Anything they didn't wasn't. Yes. So, yes. Um, and I think between getting caught now, um, being restrained in the net, it's so close to the road as well. Um, and even with that, tranquilizing him, the problem with tranquilizers, it's not immediate in, in the TV shows. It show, it, it's, yeah. It's very, very quick, right? But that's not the reality of it. Okay. And it can take, you, you, you could take maybe five, ten minutes, it all depends on the adrenaline of the animal as well. 
Oh, really? Because we've, so we've all seen the programmes where the, the, the dog gets, or whatever it is, gets the little dart in, and they go Phew! down like a sack, I suppose. doesn't happen yeah. that way. No, no. Especially when you're trying to... Um, people sometimes get it confused with, first of all, what they see on TV. Um, that's not the reality of it. Yeah. So you, it could take 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I mean, we've darted goats there in the not too distant past, and it took 20 minutes for them to go down. So it's it's... It can it, it it can vary, and the problem with them then is if they're not confined or if they're near a road, uh, anything like that, they become disoriented and they can actually wander out on the road. I see. I so there was there was nothing like sedation or tranquilizers or um, I heard he might have been shot as well. That wasn't the case. Poor old poor old devil. Just the yeah. heart the heart gave out at, at twelve for a big breed like that. He'd have been quite an elderly man. Yes. So, so unfortunately, the stress of the moment got to him. Vincent, thank you very much. And there is a beautiful photograph on Cork Bio of Axel. It's Vincent from the Cork Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Beautiful photograph on Cork Bio. Close-up photograph, clearly taken in his enclosure or in his home in Rome. What a beautiful creature. It's, impo- it's impossible to describe without you seeing the picture how gorgeous the dog he was or semi-hybrid wolf he was but sadly he he passed away from a heart attack when they eventually did capture him he wasn't shot, he wasn't tranquilised he wasn't injected with anything he just got a banger and died uh, at 12 years of age and a big strong breed like that he'd have been the age equivalent of a man in his 80s so you can just imagine what that would have been like 0818 96 96 96 Councillor Joe Kavanagh has called the opinion line Joe you're in, you're annoyed with someone who, when it comes to the IBAL results from yesterday, we were t- covering them yesterday. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, yes, uh, look, I was out over the weekend and um, happened to be listening to a ra- the radio in my car. Next thing, this nas- a national radio station, and basically they were talking about the eyeball results and they were talking more on a national scale, and he made a reference to Cork. And he made a reference to Cork's north side being littered and city centre isn't too bad and this sort of stuff. Now, the first thing that... This was a presenter me, now, though, yeah? No, no, this this was a guy from Eyeball. Oh, OK. A representative from Eyeball, right? I think it was Conor Horgan, as far as I know. But but look, um, anyway, they, they, he was doing an interview, giving the results and all that kind of stuff and basically the, the, the reasoning behind it and the, the good, the bad and the ugly of the results as such. So, look, the first thing that struck me, PJ, is that first and foremost, I'm on the Environment Committee inside and I'm in, also involved in various litter awareness campaigns and so on, have been for many years. Mm. Um, I'm, a, I'm a tiny towns activist. Uh, I'm a member. I go litter picking myself at yes. Mayfield St. Luke's tiny towns every weekend. And look, what struck me, PJ, is that I mean, there are so many people and organisations right across our city, and you alluded to yourself, doing fantastic work every single day of the week uh, as part of a community organisation or a tidy towns organisation. And this type of um, negative reporting of our city in terms of littering, to be quite honest with you, is a real kick in the teeth to these people. And, Mm. you know, people kind of say to themselves, look, we're doing our best. And you've this constant knocking of communities in in our city. Now, I've written to Cork City Council about this, and I'd love to know what the methodology of the judging of these people who are kind of like self-appointed judge and jury. I think it's it's an Untashka team that do it. Yeah, yeah. And and they tick a number of boxes and they report their findings back 
to IBAL mm. and one or two surveys over the years by the time it's published it's actually changed because Absolutely. people like yeah. your group have been through but you can't argue can you Joe that there aren't parts of our city that are in a fairly grotty state at the moment if you look hard enough PJ you'll always find some areas are better than others of course and I agree 100% with you but you know I always I suppose I don't know, is it a failing or is it a positive thing? I'm a glass half full merchant, you know, always have been. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm really out there promoting the good that's been done in our city by the the many volunteers in tidy towns groups right across our city yeah. and community groups, residential groups who really go out there on a voluntary basis, on an ongoing basis, not to mention Cork City Council who are out there at, at six o'clock every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw yeah. them this morning. Again. I, I see them pretty much every morning. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're doing the best they can to try and, you know, keep the city tidy and so on. And of course we're living in an urban area and you will have littering and you will have rubbish, you know, coming out of bins and that's mm. why I'm blowing around the place, etc. And of course you have people who discard rubbish. You'll always have that. And you'll have a certain little hot spots in the area. Of course, that will be a bit iffy in terms of littering. But it has to be acknowledged that there is a huge improvement compared to, say, five, even five years ago, PJ. Mm-hmm. I remember the days, Jesus, you, you, you'd walk down the streets and, you know, you would have a litter problem. Yeah. But there's a lot of volunte- voluntary groups now after springing up across our city, and that has to yeah. be acknowledged. And and I, we, I've uh, seen your own social media posts of being out with litter picks yeah. on, on a Saturday morning and doing great work up in your own yeah. area there with other volunteers. I spoke earlier this morning... Um, yes. Joe, Joe with Tom Butler from Ballincollig and we know there's a very active Fantastic group, group in, in out there. But, but there again the frustration of Tom and his colleagues mm-hmm. in Ballincollig that people have come along dumping household rubbish at the side of the road bags of crubeans yeah. and bags of cans yeah. left out because oh, the tidy towns will pick yeah. them up and down in Carrigaline beautifully tended yes. pots and planters been ripped up by yes. young fellas just for the fun of it yeah do you ever get totally yes. frustrated, Joe? Do you know, PJ, the day you get frustrated and the day you get negative at that is the day that you walk away from it. But, you know, you have to you have to drive forward and keep doing the best you can because the group that I work with, it's a small group, and that's reflected right across the city. There's lots of fantastic tidy towns groups across the city. And these people say to me, one lady came up to me one day and she said, I was walking up the road and this man stopped me and told me and, and thanked me for the work we were doing. And all mm. I was doing was out for a walk with and meeting people and picking up a bit of litter. Mm. But there's that sense of fulfillment and that sense of giving back to your local community. And that's reflected right across our city. Of course, you're always going to have antisocial behavior. Um, mm. That's never going away. Mm. Um, but unfortunately... But it seems to be people to be- who deliberately... There's antisocial mm. behaviour, and you, you know I've talked about it enough. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a new kind of antisocial behaviour in that you've certain people watching what the tidy town people are doing, tending a flower pot yes. or looking after grass or yes. cleaning up or whatever, and deliberately coming back afterwards to spoil their work. I know, I know, but like, what do you do, PJ? Do you do you have? Do you put a CCTV camera in that particular no. area to monitor it? Kind of nice trying to explain it. Why it why why it is we can't have nice things though? What what's wrong with people who do that? Who watch you I and your colleagues on a Saturday morning, Joe, going around with your bags and your oh. brushes and all that, and then come along that evening and dump crap around the road? What's wrong with them? Uh, 
Well, PJ, there's a bit of social conscience here, I think, is very important. But the, it, it is going in the right direction. We still have a problem, PJ. I mean, we do a litter pick on a Saturday, we'll say. Mm. And we could, I, I, I could often, coming home from Mass on a Sunday, walk, drive down the road and say, Jesus, did we really do a litter pick? Did we really do a litter pick yesterday? Mm. <laughs> You'd see little bits of litter there, but I suppose you're looking at things maybe more, maybe very uh, finitely, you know. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it, it, it'll always be there, PJ. PJ, there's always someone there, and it doesn't take a lot of people to kind of spoil the good work that's been done out there. No, it doesn't. No, 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 it doesn't. Here's someone on the phone as well, and listening to your positivity, Joe, which I always compliment you on. What city is he living in? People are just casually throwing litter. There's no bins, even if they wanted to use them. I don't recognise what City Joe is describing. Now, I would pick him up on the bins. There's more bins around than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, we, we've. there's a lot of bins installed um, in the area. And, uh, well, in uh, right across the city, to be quite honest with you, um, they're... To be honest with you, PJ, I was shocked when I was told what the cost of installing a bin was um, about, about a year and a half ago. How much? And, uh, you know, well, uh, to give you an exact figure would be impossible. It depends on the location. It depends what they have to do. But you're talking over a thousand euro anyway. To put it in a bin. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, jeez. I mean, you're talking about putting in a cement, uh, a base on it and so on and install, buying it and installing it. And these are the new bins now with the small apertures on them. Yeah. Yeah, so you can't put, um, you can't put the Unfortunately, you still... Yeah, well, it still happens, PJ. You still see it. Mm. People putting their domestic rubbish into and leaving it beside bins, unfortunately. But look, you, no matter what you say and no matter what you do, there's always somebody has a counteractive um, argument, mm. like your caller there now, for example. But people like Tom Butler and Ballon Colleague do a magnificent job. And by the way, can I take this opportunity to wish him a happy birthday? Belatedly, I know it was his birthday yesterday. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> if I'd known, if I'd known earlier, uh, uh, and it's a big one, PJ. So, <laughs> but is there is there a knot in it? There is, there is, there is. But he's still a young fella. He's still a young fella. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. Listen, good, good of you to call the show and keep up the good work that you do with the Tidy Towns volunteers. They're all over there. They're great people. They are great people. Tidy Towns, up and down the country, around our city, doing great work. And I don't take what John said a while ago. He says if the if the council cleaned up the litter, the litter, then there would be no need. For, look, stop. They're great volunteers and they do great work. Although Phil draws our attention to the cemetery at St Joseph's, it's a disgrace. It's like the Wild West with weeds and rubbish. And if you complain, it just falls on deaf ears. It should be the council and the graveyard authorities who look after it. But I would still be grateful if we had a voluntary group like Tidy Towns, because something needs to be done. Yeah, I seem to remember a few years ago there was a group started out in the Glasheen Road, Stoke Bishopstown area, who did fairly regular clear-ups out in St Finbar's of a Saturday morning. Because graveyards are another place that can get very dirty and very littered if they're not watched closely. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. 
Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 gone to the president to be signed and by the end of the year certain things will come into law one you have a right to request working from home or working hybridly with your boss and your boss must show you why you can't must demonstrate a reason why you can't if they say you can't it's got other things in it too but that's the point that um, this person who rang us in said it's very nice to hear this that they're looking after everyone with the working from home, except for construction workers. We work six or seven days a week. Some of us doing 12-hour shifts. We come home with less than a grand a week. We can't work from home. Thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, the match on Sunday, so extra trains have been announced. So we get a, a mention for that. There are no reservations for the first few trains to Dublin on Sunday. Only the first few trains will get you there in time. and They're all booked out. That was a query we got earlier in the week. We got on to Irish Rail to Barry Kenny. There will be at least one additional service and that will be on sale shortly. We have that in from yesterday. Uh, Customers should keep an eye on irishrail.ie and the Irish Rail Twitter and it will, of course, sell Quickly, tickets for that train will not be available on the day. So they had said they were putting at least one extra train up to go to the match on Sunday. This is Cork and Derry in the football. Check that, probably sold out already. If anyone's got a ticket for that, let us know. Did you see where your passport is to get redesigned, eh? Yes, your passport is being redesigned. They're going to spend just over half a million quid redesigning the Irish passport. According to the Department of Foreign Affairs, it must, and I quote, because I couldn't make this nonsense up, incorporate modern security measures with images of Irish culture that represent Irish heritage, our diverse culture, ecology and communities. I have no idea what that means. But they are redoing the Irish passport. You're going to get a new passport after 2025 and it will be different we know not how but it will be different and they're going to spend half a million euro at the Department of Foreign Affairs redesigning the Irish passport like you you have to ask about priorities here why does the passport need to be redesigned presumably all the technology now is built into it what are we going to get? A new cover? A different photograph? Will it glow in the dark? Because we have the card as well, the small little passport card. So for half a million quid to redesign the Irish passport. I know that the... Didn't the British update their passport a couple of years ago? They changed their passport after Brexit. At least they had the excuse of Brexit to supposedly fall back on. What excuse do we have? Half a million quid. And remember... It's our money. They're spending our money on giving us a new passport. Well, my one runs until, I don't know, 2028 or 2029, so it won't bother me for a while. 
on tidy towns. Councillor Mick Nugent wants, Mick wants eyeball, Irish business against litter, to come back in before the Council Environment Committee to update us on their methodology and what they could do to assist local authorities in addressing littering in the city centre and communities. Okay. A lot of people unhappy with how do Eyeball compile their report. Maybe if we just cleaned the place, Eyeball wouldn't have a whole lot to say because look how high on the list Mallow came. Second from the top. Something happening this weekend is the Trans Plus Pride Parade in Cork on the Grand Parade. We covered this last year. Last year, I think, might have been the first one. Louise O'Donnell is the co-founder of Trans Plus Pride, and in this month of all things Pride, Louise, your 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 your, your parade takes a, a centre stage at the weekend. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it's our second um, event, and you're right, you did give us good coverage last year. And this is the first year that we're actually going to march um, in a traditional kind of protest move. Um, so we're quite excited for the, the event itself. It's a good way to celebrate with the community, and it's a good way to kind of, um, I suppose, give us an opportunity to gather and to demonstrate resilience um, against some of the harms perpetrated towards the community this year. Down on the Grand Parade, uh, it's it's been a tough year for the trans community. There's a lot of transphobia and trans nastiness, I would prefer, rather than phobia, because I think phobia... I, I hate... I don't know I don't know about you, Louise. I, I don't like the word phobia. Phobia implies fear. There's no fear out there, yeah. but there is a lot of nastiness. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of misunderstanding. And certainly what we've seen is, you know, we gathered earlier in the year for a vigil to celebrate the life of Brianna Jai, who mm. was a, a girl in the UK who was stabbed to death in a park. Um, and I suppose at that point, it was a kind of a watershed moment. It was the realisation that all of this violence, particularly online violence, can spill over into real life. And it is a fear that's very well founded. We know of at least three violent incidents in the city against trans folks this year. And really, it is as a result of hate and as a result of organising against people who themselves are quite vulnerable. Mm. So I suppose it's the worst type of punching down when you see uh, people hopping on the train and deciding that they want to um, discriminate against someone because of their identity. Um, but it is something that unfortunately is is getting a lot of platforming and uh, not to de- denigrate your own profession, PJ, but I suppose that the original Trans Pride came about last year in Cork because of our national broadcaster essentially facilitating days on end of so-called debate. And what we want to make clear is that people's identities are not up for debate. And people can be who they want to be and have the, the right to respect, the right to freedom from violence and the right to live their lives without um, getting hate from Mm-hmm. other communities who don't understand them. I'm, I'm sure that you um, people are asked a lot, Louise, well, I don't actually have any difficulty with how you identify or or how you live your life. It really makes no difference that it was to my life. But, but, but what is it? What, what, like, people ask Sometimes they ask a normal question. 
Like, why do you feel the way you do or, or why do you live the way you do? When did you start? To th- Are they rational questions or should we just ask nothing at all? Yeah. No, I think um, just about any trans person that I know will tell you that they're happy to field questions and to answer questions about their identity oftentimes, as long as it's done in good faith and with respect and at an appropriate time, I guess. You're not going to be in a in, <laughs> in a situation where you're in a job interview and having to justify your gender or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't think people are closed off to discussion or to exploration and people are oftentimes happy to educate. But I suppose what we should remember here is that the onus for pure respect should be on the person who's speaking with the um, a, a trans person or somebody who's gender non-conforming. It is not the responsibility of somebody to educate you. And you should really kind of have a basic understanding of people's identities. Um, so all people are looking for is a little bit of respect, a little bit of um, buy-in, I suppose, and a, and a little bit of a appreciation. Um, I don't think anyone's closed off in entirely to questions but what we often see is is people kind of dog whistling in in common places so they'll be in saying um i suppose we've seen it in the city library in recent months mm. people being subject to a lot of hate for um giving books that are educational on the gender binary and people who don't conform to the gender binary and what you're seeing there is people acting and equating um, gender nonconformity with things like pedophilia and grooming. And, and that's really harmful to the community. It's something that we've seen play out with LGBT people in the past. And it's where we really need to draw a line. So people's identities shouldn't be in question here. You might be able to ask a broad societal question about, let's say, gender and its traditional roles in society. But let's not go around claiming that people who are trans should be associated in any way with those kind of harmful claims. And I suppose what we've accidentally done is we've opened up a place for these opinions to be shared. And and that really is where we kind of cross the line into hate speech. And I suppose that's what we want to see. We want to see the hate crime bill pass. We want to not have people continually perpetrating harms against trans folk. And we want people to be able to exist and live in society free mm-hmm. from persecution, whether it be online or in person. A lot of people, it might be fair to say, I don't know whether you think it is or not, are afraid of the implications of the hate speech legislation in that what some would say is, I don't hate anybody, but I want the freedom to ask questions or to say, I don't approve. Okay. Yeah, well, what I would say is that you have plenty of freedom to... to um, speak your mind and to share your opinion. Where hate speech crosses the line is when you're doing things like inciting people to violence. You know, you have people gathering on the streets of Cork City with signage that, like I say, equates uh, gender nonconformity with something like paedophilia. That is harmful language. It's going to lead to violence and it should be unacceptable in this day and age. You have the right to, to protest, but you don't have the freedom from the consequences of your actions. And if you're going to go around and all you do is put out 
misinformation, then there should be consequences for those actions. I understand that there is kind of valid debate in, let's say, not persecuting thoughts, but we're not talking about persecuting thought here. We're talking about uh, persecuting people or prosecuting, I should say, people who cross the line and decide that they are going to personally avenge uh, for crimes that are simply not being committed. And I do feel quite sorry for those who kind of get caught up into conspiratorial thinking, who genuinely believe that, you know, um, gender nonconformity is is some sort of new creation in society who don't have a true understanding of the history of uh, transgender and gender nonconforming people. But it isn't good enough. It's not good enough in this day and age that you can go around and claim really harmful things about the community Mm. and expect to be free from any consequences of that. Is it... I've often heard this question asked, look, you have two, like, what is a woman? Um, Mm -hmm. Is that an offensive question for people to be asking in a public space? So I suppose, again, it's it's a question of what is the intent. A good faith question and exploration of gender is not necessarily a harmful thing. Anyone who knows me will know that I'm very vocal feminist and I'm absolutely in favour of women achieving equality in this society. Um, But oftentimes what people do is they'll do what's called biological reductionism. So they'll reduce it to um, a woman has... XY chromosomes and and etc. And essentially, what you're what you're doing is you're reducing gender or you're reducing sex to these very small characteristics. And actually, if you speak with any gender scientists, people who work in, let's say, biological fields, they'll tell you that there is a broad spectrum of gender identity, that it isn't exclusive to certain characteristics. And I suppose what is really harmful uh, for things like trans exclusionary radical feminism, um, what we would call TERFs for short, is that they are excluding people on the basis of not meeting these characteristics, when in fact what they're doing is they're excluding an awful lot more people than they think. They think they're excluding trans women, but if you're going to reduce um, you know, womanhood to somebody who has a uterus, for example, there's plenty of women who don't. Or let's say somebody who has um, breasts, like there's plenty of people who don't for many uh, wide reasons. So let's not reduce it down to purely sex characteristics. If we want to have a discussion about what womanhood is, I welcome that and there's plenty of space for that. And believe me, they get plenty of space and time to, to make those discussions. Mm. But if what is at the core of your messaging is excluding people, then that is harmful ideology and you should be reflecting on what your behaviour, what it does uh, is have direct consequences and and violence in the society, you are directly responsible for causing harm against a community that we know struggles with their mental health, that we know feel unsafe, that we know hear homophobic and transphobic remarks all the time. Statistics don't lie. 69% of students have heard homophobic remarks from other students. 76% of students feel unsafe in school and 90% of LGBTI youth struggle with their mental health. Mm. And that's the reality of what happens when we allow um, so-called debate about the existence and the validity of other people. How about the toilet or the changing room discussions, which we see so much of? Women's changing room 
Yeah. And it's an exhausting debate, really, isn't yeah. it? It's it's this constant kind of um, a stick used to 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 beat people with, and the reality is, and and I'm sure this won't come as a surprise to you. Unfortunately, violence happen, happens against women all the time. Gender based violence isn't exclusively in bathrooms, and it's certainly not exclusive to a changing room. Um, if uh, as people claim. Uh, the transgender people are just using this as an excuse to get in and assault people in other places. That's not proven by fact, first and foremost. And also, as we know, people will perpetrate violence just about anywhere. Um, so, like, really, it is, it's, it's something that I suppose is uh, reducing the the discussion to like a singular thought of course somebody's going to feel vulnerable in a bathroom of course you know we've been taught to have sex segregation in bathrooms from a very early age and we want to have feel safe and protected in a bathroom and so throwing in this idea of you know having somebody who has different sex characteristics it it seems like a very straightforward debate but what it is really is it's lazy ideology mm. it's another way an excuse to kind of valid uh, um, validate their uh, hate, essentially. Right, 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 Louise, you don't need me to tell you predators no. hide in plain sight. Exactly. And a predator yeah. and that's a point. can identify yeah, and as a woman and use a woman's toilet. And you know, you know what I'm going to say, I'm not mm-hmm. going to finish the sentence. Yeah, that's n- not only unfounded. There's people, trans people using the bathrooms... Um, across this country that go unnoticed because they pass very well. And um, it's just not something that happens. And you'll also know that predators don't need an excuse. They don't need to change their Mm. um, outward appearing gender in order to assault people. That's something that happens across all facets of society in all places. And really, I suppose, taking just tiny percentages of of stories and and blowing them up is is not helpful to this discussion mm. the reality is trans people use the bathroom that is matching their their gender they do so safely and they are far more at risk in let's say a bathroom than your average person is at risk of of violence we know that violence in against trans people is on the rise and they are more at risk in that bathroom than than you are at risk from being uh, the victim of of violence or crime mm. from them, you know. So it, again, it's it's a lot of lazy reductionism. It's a lot of not really thinking things through, um, and it's really uh, it's not good enough. People need to be educating themselves. I'm, I'm grateful to you for pursuing these lines of conversation. It's an opportunity to raise some questions in in what I hope is a is a calm space for you. I'll I'll finish with the one on sport uh, because that's very controversial. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm thinking in terms of Leah Thomas, for example, and other names that come to mind and observers who say it's not fair that Leah Thomas, when Leah Thomas identified as male, was a mediocre swimmer and identifies as woman and is a champion. That's not fair. And, and people look at it and they say, that cannot be fair. Yeah, and again, it's it's kind of blowing off these very small stories that make up a very small percentage. So first of all, again, that belong to survey that I quoted earlier talked about the fact that most 
um, LGBT people feel unsafe in places like changing rooms. And the reality is, is that trans people rarely have the opportunity to excel and to exceed expectations within a particular sport. There's a very, very like infinitesimal um, percentage of people who manage to become elite athletes. Even fewer of those become, let's say, um, at the top of their sport or, or achieve like extraordinary achievements. And so I suppose what we want to be talking about really is that most of the people who are trans who are coming up through sports today will have gone through transition earlier in their lives and therefore won't have those same kind of um, sex-based advantages that let's say somebody like Leah Thomas who might transition later in life will have. It's not really a particularly valid thing to say that somebody who, for example, went on blockers and has been taking hormone replacement therapy as a as a teenager, they will not have any of those same advantages that people claim, you know, the, the strength or the ability to build muscle. We also know of very real people who are elite athletes who have biological advantages. And if you're talking about swimming, let's talk about Michael Phelps. And we know that he has a particular... <laughs> Exactly. He's yeah. well. He has a particular um, uh, disorder that makes it so that his joints he he's able to build up strength in swimming That's a little right. bit easier, right. yeah. and he's able to stretch out. So like, we don't go like this person shouldn't be able to participate in their sport. We say, point. wow, he got. Um, amazing advantages and look at what he's done with it. That's very, and that's really what we need to be talking about. Point. I have two last ones for you, uh, Louise. One mm-hmm. is to the details of your event on Saturday, which I'll ask you to finish with. But mm-hmm. And you've acknowledged it yourself, the trans community is a, is a tiny section of society. And yeah. yet issues surrounding trans have become, have occupied an enormous space in public debate of late. A kind of a double barrel question. Do you think that's a good thing? And first of all, why do you think it's happened? Yeah. So I suppose I I think the reason that it's happened is that it's an easy thing for for people to use and to to turn hate towards. I mean, I know I'm I'm relatively young, but I'm sure, PJ, you recall the days of debating around homosexuality decriminalisation that happened in the same year. 30 years ago this year. Exactly. Yeah. So the same year that I was born, we did criminalise homosexuality. And I'm sure you'll recall some of the debate around that was of a similar nature, comparing homosexuality to to perversity. Oh, I I remember being told they'll be jumping out from behind trees. I do. I do. Yeah. And you know what? It it, it It hasn't come to pass. And so we do, we pick up cultural things that become kind of battering rams in society because we're afraid of change and we're afraid of being uncertain. Um, I think what's advantageous is is that the debate gives us an opportunity to learn. And I think that's important to know what trans people face in their lives, to understand the issues of, let's say, lengthy waiting lists and, and some of the problems that people will encounter. So I do think it's important that we keep this kind of discussion ongoing. But certainly it's taken place it's become kind of a, a cultural issue that really it shouldn't be. And I and I think that there is outsized debate. There is people who 
uh, are trans and, and continue to live their lives and experience none, none of the harms that I'm talking about. But a very real percentage face a lot of harm in society. And I do think that the media has a lot to answer for by framing this as some sort of a debate. Mm. It's never going to be a debate whether somebody exists or lives in society. Somebody who wants to express themselves as they wish to express themselves, that really has nothing got to do with wider society. So what we need to stop doing is like, you know, what, how many genders are there? What gender expression is? We need to stop having that conversation. And what we need to talk about is how can we create a safer society so that young people who don't conform to the gender assigned at birth feel safe and happy and healthy in society. And and is it a thing that when someone says, Louise, when someone says, I don't understand... The answer is, well, that's okay. I'm not asking you to. I'm just asking you to accept me. Is that what it is? Yeah, basic. I mean, basic respect is all all most people will seek out. You don't necessarily, I mean, most of us will not have the understanding of what it's like to feel uh, like they're living in a, in a body that doesn't match their gender. That's a very unique thing and it's very hard to kind of get your head around so I suppose uh, empathy it doesn't mean you have to have lived an experience in its entirety all of us know what it feels like to be a little bit on the outside or be a little bit different what we're asking people to kind of is to tap into that a little bit to understand that it must be a tough place to be in society right now particularly as debate is ongoing and so what you need to do is have baseline compassion you need to treat trans people with the same level of respect that you would offer other people and that you would hope other people offer you um you don't need to delve completely into the debate you don't need to have a master's in sociology or a phd in gender studies to understand these things you just need to know this is who this person is this is how they want to be identified and, you know, let's afford them the same level of respect that I would afford to everybody else. Well, well, it really well, isn't uh, yeah. that hurt. Well, Louise, know? I've enjoyed our conversation. I hope it's been uh, comfortable for you. And I have one last question for you, and it's this. Tell me the mm-hmm. details of the event. Yeah, so like I said, we're gathering on the Grand Parade at 2pm on on Saturday. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a protest in a similar style as um, kind of Pride's uh, history. And what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate and and kind of be resilient as a a community. We'll gather together. We'll march down Patrick Street and up Walter Plunkett Street. We'll play some music. We'll have some speakers. We'll read some poetry and and we'll have an opportunity for, for celebration. Now, we have been made aware, I suppose, of, of the, the plans to counter-protest. Yeah. Um, and it is... A, it is a, Would a, you be fearful that might get nasty? I mean, I've been on these streets in the past few months and I've witnessed um, protests. I, I use protests really uh, with inverted commas because I don't really think that they are proper protests. But I've seen some of the, the hate that is on our streets in recent months and it is a cause for concern really. I suppose, unfortunately, like I said, people who are um, vulnerable get picked up by these communities and they'll start kind of uh, believing that that the only answer to this is to, to in some way fight. So it's always going to be a cause for concern. But what I also know is that there is a huge community that welcomes trans folk in this city and we've been on to many different groups uh, talking about the importance of attending and and what I'd ask is you know if you are an ally of the trans community regardless of where you fit in if you are an LGBT person 
please do come along, offer your support, be on those uh, front lines with that counter protest if you can, because what we want to do is we want to create a space in which particularly trans young people can be safe and feel comfortable. Um, So I think we have... Uh, organised a, a nice event, event that demonstrates resilience, an event that's going to be a protest in all the traditional forms that it is. But I do think it's important that people show up and offer their support because that's really what this community needs now more than ever. OK, Louise, a pleasure speaking with you Saturday afternoon, Trans Plus Pride on the Grand Parade. Thank you, Louise O'Donnell, one of the founders of Trans Plus Pride. I hope that that conversation went on longer than we had scheduled it for because it became a very engaging one and I hope that it has enlightened some people in in, in the last 15-20 minutes or so. Thank you Louise. The most likely thing to happen if people think they can challenge trans people in bathrooms is cis women being abused for not looking typically female. Let people pee in peace, says Sinead. Superb speaker there, PJ. Well done, Louise, for being the voice for trans and LGBTQ plus people across Cork. And that is from Sean. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Hi, is that Aoife Teagan? Yeah, it is. Are you sitting down, Aoife? I am. I'm, I'm sitting down, yeah. Okay. Aoife? Yeah. Congratulations to Aoife Teagan, who's off to enjoy the ultimate party week in Ibiza. Now, stay listening for your next big way to win, only on Cork's 96FM. Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Kevin says that was a great contributor, very knowledgeable on these matters. Uh, Yeah, indeed. Uh, PJ, I got three match, three tickets for the match. Upper Devon stand... 40 quid for two matches. Going to be a great game of football. Come on, the Rebels. That's Pa from Ballancolly. Yeah, it will be some afternoon. Uh, is it, it is Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, some afternoon. We've got Cork and Derry, followed by Dublin and Mayo. Like, that's one to sit down and enjoy for the few hours, isn't it? 0818 96 96 96. We've been getting some emails from residents in a council estate in East Cork. Um, which have given cause for concern. I will come back to those, but we're about an hour and a bit away. Well, yeah, about an hour and 40 minutes away from the start of the Oireachtas Committee meeting, the first of two, where RTE have been asked to come in to try to explain what's going on with Ryan, or has been going on with Ryan Tuberty's wages. We got the statement yesterday evening from the authorities at RTE saying that this money that was being pushed around 325,000 quid over a period of a number of years, that the only person who had sight and had the signing off power for the final agreements in those cases was the Director General D. Forbes. Now I for one don't believe that. Nobody works in that kind of isolation in a large body of people. 
nobody, I mean, if they're trying to get us to believe that only D Forbes and nobody but D Forbes had the first notion of this moving of money around and how it was being done and invoices here and strange transactions there. I don't believe it. It's in the statement, but I don't believe it. Someone had to know. Therefore, someone should be able to come into this Eroctus committee and tell us exactly what's going on. Michael Moriarty, your thoughts. Morning. PJ, exactly. I think you have hit the nail on the head there, and I, I hope the members of the committee will, will make that point very forcibly to anybody who comes, any senior member of senior management of RTE, because as you rightly said, the, particularly with any large organization, there is no one person who can negotiate, approve, process, and issue the payment alone. It has to be done in conjunction with various entities. The invoices have to be processed, they have to be certified, they have to be approved, and that is why there are checks and balances in all organisations. So I I, am not familiar with RTE, but I would assume they must have people in finance and their purchasing departments and whatever who would have to be involved in the processing of these payments. So for for these people now to to come out, members of the board, come out and say that... No, they were very careful with their wording, of course. They They were saying, you know, she's the only person who had the full knowledge and insight. But... That's not relevant to the, to, the, to the payment because the payment has to go through various stages, which means it has to cross various desks and various people have to be involved. And therefore, there is no one per- No, you're right, maybe no one person had full access, but there are people who, who, who process the payment. They have to review the documentation. There are people who, who certify the payment. They would, and the people then who approve the payment, and finally the people who actually process the payment itself. Each of those individuals would have a responsibility, and in most organizations, I'm certainly speaking of the one that I worked with for more than 30 years, each of those persons would have to ensure that the paperwork accompanying those requests are in accordance with the established rules and regulations of that particular organization. So. This is just unbelievable that such a statement would be issued by these educated people. They must really think that the members of the Oireachtas Committee, the, 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 the journalists of this country and the people of this country are completely stupid if they really think that this is how they're going to get away with this statement. It's now, utter rubbish. I read it twice and I read it again this morning. It's eight or nine pages. It's a bit of a read. But... You would be given the impression from reading it, or we're being expected to accept that D Forbes had the checkbook, the invoice book, and the whole lot stuck in her desk. Absolutely. The simple fact of the matter here is, Michael, and you know this as I do. I, we, there were there were invoices for seventy five thousand euro at a time floating around for inverted commas consultancy fees. Now, they didn't just make that up over tea and biscuits. Of course not. And, and those invoices had to be processed through various stages for payment. So, I mean, this is not a Mickey Mouse operation where the one person does everything. There are people who have assigned responsibilities. So, and, and, But, of course, that's typical then of certain elements in our society here. You blame one person, and in particular, you blame the person who has just left the system. But look, Peter, can I just throw out another little thought there to you and your listeners there in relation to this? No, there is no doubt there is anger about the way this whole matter has been handled. But I think we have to take this anger in conjunction 
with the pain and suffering that people are, so, are going through over the last number of years due to the various uh, matters beyond their... Yeah. Before you get to that point, Michael, can I just for a second acknowledge that I watched video of the protest outside RTE Cork yesterday and there were people in that group that I know from being in and out to the place for the Today Show over a couple of years and that in my own previous broadcasting days I would have known them from RTE as well. And they're very very angry and people who would be household faces joined those protests yesterday at Montrose and, and here yes, in Yes, I saw some what of them does, indeed. What yeah. does that say to us? Well, again, PJ, it, it brings us back again to, if we use the term, the normal, the normal we use that term, the normal people in RTE, the genuine hardworking people who are either paid a salary or maybe being brought in on individual contracts as some of them appear to be doing and who work for uh, maybe reasonable amounts or maybe something less than reasonable and and these people have had their income reduced which many people did have at a time of crisis but at the same time then to find that these particular actions were taken mm. uh, so that at least one person could benefit and again look as I said Previously, I'm not a fan of Ryan Tuberty. I don't blame him. He has the right to negotiate whatever he wants. Well, he clearly and he clearly has done nothing wrong here, but, except but, that he told us one thing when the other was true, yes, and yes. That well, you, that, he, that, won't, yeah. he won't but, be forgiven for that. But for a long the people time. who represented RTE had a duty and a responsibility, and I'm speaking from a point of view where I was a contracts officer for a number of years. Those people had a duty and a, a duty of care to the finances that they were controlling. And it was their responsibility to ensure that they negotiated in the best interest of the taxpayer and the taxpayer's money. And they failed, I believe, in that responsibility. And not only failed, but the fact that they attempted to cover it up. But listen, PJ, here's just a little thought now, and people may disagree with me on this now. But look, I know there's anger, and I fully understand there's anger. People have a right to be angry because people are paying through the nose, prices are rising, salaries are not keeping up, and, and everybody is suffering. And then we see this with, with reasonable amounts, uh, large amounts of money by comparison to the income of most people in this country. I mean, he was getting, he was getting double the average salary in a, in a backhander. But anyway, that's beside the point. But PJ, in the overall context of the problems of this country now, we really are focusing a lot of attention on what would be a relatively a minor matter because look we must also remember the other problems that the people of this country are facing and you know them every day but let's go through a few of them the homelessness the people we still have one of the highest homelessness situations in 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 the eu the hospital waiting lists that those hospital waiting lists would be an embarrassment in most of the third world countries that i have worked in and something that i feel very strongly about the, the the parents of children with special needs who have been on your show and on other yes. shows pleading, pleading with the government to do something to help their children. And they are not getting support. And, you know, we should be focusing. And then, of course, we don't forget the, the, the children's hospital. God bless us. Oh, whenever don't, it'll be don't even go there, but, Michael. But, don't even go there. Look, we are focusing now on, on, on Ryan Torberry. But the, the people must 
let the government and the government know that we, the people of Ireland, are not happy in general with their overall management of this country. They are not providing the people of this country with the service that they are entitled to. And, and, the, and the scrutiny that should children be... Children in particular are entitled to, PJ. Michael, uh, let me just before I let you go, you did use the word backhander. I know you, you said it with no malice aforethought. There was no backhander well, here. Well, sorry, sorry. It was an unusual it, form of it, invoicing. Uh, correct. And questions still need to be answered. To this to in, this, to be in a derogatory manner, but it's just that the word it was a kind of a was inappropriate. outside of the normal routine. Let me correct that and apologize for that. Not at all, not at all. Michael, thank you. 0818969696. Yeah, you mightn't like the way it was done, but it was legitimate payment for services. That that That's just truth. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Punch 96 FM. Right, we got this. Um, we got a number of these emails from residents in a council estate in East Cork. I should read them and leave them with you, and we will probably return to it tomorrow or Friday. PJ, really hoping you can point us in the right direction here. So basically, we're living in a council estate in East Cork. There's a house in this estate that was repossessed by a bank a few years ago. So we're led to believe. Anyway, since then, a few people have been living there. These people, the trouble they cause, it's unbelievable. Myself and the rest of our neighbours are living in fear. They have big parties all the time. And there are always brawls and fights. Only last weekend, a man was stabbed. It's terrifying behaviour. We've been to the guards... We phoned the council and been on to our local TDs. Not one of them have been able to help us. Whether they can't or just don't want to, we really don't know. But this can't go on. We're all hard-working, normal Joe Soaps. Nobody wants to live next to this house any longer. Please can keep my details anonymous, but maybe ask where we go from here or who can help us. This has gone on long enough and we're very fed up now. Thanks for taking the time to read my email and I'm really pray- praying... That somebody can help us. It's one we'll come back to. It's happening in East Cork. A house repossessed, being lived in, and trouble there. And we're getting some emails from the people in the estate. That's as much. I can't locate the estate for you for definite, or for certain for now. We know where it is, but just for, for the purposes of now, we can't actually locate it, but we know where it is. Thank you for that. We'll return to it if we have a follow-up. 0818 96 96 96. Tom says, I fully agree with PJ, on PJ, and or on RTE rather, and with Michael as well. And the way the statement was put out saying D Forbes was the only one with all the information. I think there's a long way to go in this investigation uh, before the public will buy into it. All right, very last bit of business. Answer the phone, Harry, you know good alone. Why are you sitting there? What kind of pills are you on? Ringing the bell When nobody's coming to hell Your daddy lives by himself He just wants to know that you're well Whoa. In this world It's just us You know it's not the same as 
You might have been forgiven for thinking that Harry Styles had wandered into Skull Reed of Eglantine last Friday and begun singing as it was. Aaron Kelly, that's a... Ah, he's gone, lads, he was on line one. That's a heck of an impersonation. And he's been doing it at a load of other so- um, schools around the place and he comes in in all the rig out all the regalia the pink the feather bow the glasses the whole lot and he arrived into the school in Eglinton last Friday he had flares big, big pink flares big short aviator shades hair done up and the first thing he did was watermelon sugar and then he does as it was and the voice is very very good I mean if he stood up at a karaoke competition and did a Harry Styles song he would win that competition, I tell you straight. Do we have him, lads? As we drive, we've been having. I don't. You don't need me to tell you. You can sense it. We have been having some trouble with our phone lines this morning. Ah, I think you have them there. Four, Aaron. Hi, uh, can you hear Hiya, me? Man. I can. I can. Come here. That's a very, very good takeoff of Harry Styles. Thanks very much. How did you teach Thank yourself you. to do that? <laughs> um. Basically, we I did a concert in Eglantine, Skullfrida Eglantine, which yeah. is um, a school in Douglas, a girls' school. And basically, they do a show every year called the School of Vision. And my mum asked me to be Harry Styles as the secret act in the School of Vision. Yeah. So I've been singing all my life, but I've never really done much impressions, but I have been acting as well my whole life so kind of when they asked me I was like of course I'll do it because I'm kind of up for anything really yeah, you do stuff and, on um, TikTok all the time as well don't you yeah yeah I sing on TikTok and I upload TikToks every day of me singing and um, my mum is an SNA in Eglantine so when they did the school of vision um, my mum and her friend Rosie O'Shea and her friend Fiona Walsh they all kind of came up with like ideas for the performance and every day it would get crazier and crazier <laughs> But you so were up for it. Sorry? You were up for it. Oh, yeah, I was up for it. Like, I'd be up for anything performance-wise. But um, basically, we, I got an escort from Garda Damien in the first time I did it. So it was all getting, like, you know, crazier and crazier. Brilliant. And I have five retired teachers as my backup dancers. And basically then, like, the kids enjoyed it so much that the parents' association and... Gene and Trina, they asked me to come back and Brilliant. perform again. Yeah, there's, there's, there's great pictures in the newspapers as well. You really look the part and you sound the part, uh, according to the uh, recording we have. Teachers are listening this morning in the schools. So a quick, quick mention for them, Aaron, and uh, thanks for having you, I guess, is the, the message. Yeah, thank you very much. And if anybody wants to listen to my TikTok or anything for singing, um, it's Aaron Kelly Music. All right. So anybody wants to get on to me about any singing opportunities or anything, um, my Instagram is Aaron Kelly Sing. Good luck. Good, good lad. Get the, get the plug in at the end. Aaron Kelly Music. Appreciate it. Our phones have been acting up big time this morning, so we only got a very short chat with Aaron. But that's it. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Uh, thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. I'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.